hydro rates and the carbon tax alone. They're job killers, absolute job killers. We're getting rid of the carbon tax for low and hydro rates. Next question. Contrary to what Doug Ford may think, it is possible to have a successful career and, uh, and raise children. So I didn't say tearing up windmills, I said ripping them out of the ground. We have it within our power, our legislative power to do so. You can't just pluck wind turbines out of the ground. In many cases, they are replaced there by farmers on their land. They have contracts that are going to allow them to receive some money back in terms of the energy that's being produced. So I think that it's, it's way too simplistic to take that approach. Pino and politics. I'm Arlene Bynan. I'm Jamie Ellerton. Jamie, how appropriate as we're sitting here as the race for the leadership of the Ontario Progressive Conservative Party heads into the home stretch, and we are analyzing this with a lovely glass of Pinot Noir. Indeed, if this uh, horse race is indeed in the home stretch, we are definitely watching from the grandstand looking at all the bombs that have gone off and the twists and turns of this race as some have spun out at the corners, whereas others have leapfrogged and, and taken up the front of the pack into the home stretch. I think it's clear at this point in this race, uh, it is indeed going to be a choice between Christine Elliott or Doug Ford. It's a great analogy, and I know it's been used before, but it, it really is appropriate because when you think about it, when you're heading into the home stretch, what lane are you in? What lane did you decide? You know, I know a little bit about horses and horse racing, and jockeys have to make a decision where they're positioned. Why don't we go through everybody here as we see the end of the line and see where they've made their decisions, just like a jockey. Where am I going to go? Let's start with Doug Ford. When it began, he was a bit of a surprise. I mean, I think the first couple of public speeches he gave, I had him on my show. Yeah, he had the lines. He had left Rob behind in a lot of ways, moved forward here for a job clearly in his DNA. He really, really wants. And he was nailing Kathleen when everybody, liberals were writing, do not underestimate him. And then I wondered if he kind of fumbled a bit on the debate. And now it looks like he has a plan. What do you think? I think he's indeed kind of over-exceeded expectations. Uh, I think his launch speech when he launched at the Congress Center at the beginning of all of this exceeded expectations, and throughout, his team has been relentless. He's probably the candidate who spent the least amount of time in Toronto because we knew he already had mm -hmm. a strong base here where the numbers would quickly materialize for him, but he had introduced himself to the rest of the province, and I think he has indeed done just that. I think the real question... Uh, going forward on this as people look to rank their ballots is do they want someone like Doug who is casting himself as anti-elite and an outsider mm -hmm. even though he's already spent time in City Hall and ran that administration <laughs> and uh, has a long history with the Flaherty's and the Harris's yeah, yeah, and yeah, etc. Yeah. So you know this, this, this guy who's never it's met a bit anyone of a stretch. himself, correct? Yeah. Um, but no, regardless he's, uh, he's, he's, he's sold it and, and some have bought it uh, and you kind of look at what the kind of the toing and froing that he's doing with Tanya Granick Allen. Every time that they throw an accusation of the elites and the insiders and kind of volley off each other, it's clear there's a bit of a campaign strategy here that Doug is looking to position himself for Tanya's second ballot support. And the question ultimately that remains outstanding is will it be enough to put him 50% mm -hmm. plus one? 
And I'm not so sure, you know, those words have been used before and we know by who, we know how long. I don't know if they resonate anymore. I, I, I'm, if I were him, I would have picked another word. However, you know, he, he clearly has come out very strong speaking a language. And here's the deal. He, he won and his brother won against all odds in the city of Toronto. We know it was a mess. We know all that stuff that happened. But it's going to be fascinating to see how that works in the small towns of Ontario. I can see him. I mean, he's saying he's getting great receptions from what we're hearing. You know, he goes out there. This is, he has the ability to kind of grow beyond conservatives here. He doesn't just talk to conservatives. He talks to every people. And People kind, may I say. <laughs> a lot of people kind he talks to. And it's going to be interesting to see if he can pull that into a big a big movement for himself. I think one of the things, though, if we consider down right now in this home stretch is even though he has appeal to outside of your traditional conservative voter base, this leadership race is about winning over conservative members. Yeah. And I First think of all. One mm-hmm. of the things that makes this leadership race a curious one and kind of like stands out as unique amongst the rest is if you're a leading campaign, you typically are releasing how many memberships you've sold and how many supporters you have. But given the condensed nature of this, these candidates have really been preaching to the existing membership base more than they have been selling of existing memberships. But they kind of had to. It's a weird race. It's not a and normal so race. They might have a, a larger variance in terms of their modeling that they would be doing and looking at their analysis of the data and the numbers. It'd be a wider spread for what the data would tell them than it would on a more traditional campaign where you literally have months and months Mm -hmm. of data to collect and know who your strongest supporters are and kind of focus on your middle tier supporters to make sure you motivate them to turn out. Whereas this race is different in that regard. So none of the campaigns have put out membership numbers in, in that fashion. And the real big question mark hanging over Doug Ford is we are expecting him to do well in the north part of Toronto and the western part of the GTA is can he actually translate that into province-wide support that's representative? Because the way that this leadership vote is structured, not only do you have the ranked ballot and it's one member, one vote, but every single riding is worth 100 points. So if he has not been able to connect in eastern Ontario and in southwestern Ontario and even in northern Ontario in the way he has in part of the GTA – He'll have an inefficient vote, which might uh, favor Christine Elliott. Let's move to Christine Elliott. You know, I I still get back. You and I talked it after the last debate when he swirled around and started asking Christine Elliott why she took the job in the Kathleen Wynne government. I just thought, whoa, what a moment. Where did he get that? I mean, you know, this is uh, Christine Elliott's husband, Jim Flaherty, literally almost got into a fist fight over his brother, Rob. And now you see, I mean, we call this buy a dog because you got to buy a dog in politics. We need a friend. I think that was a pretty good example of it. Now, you know, as you're just saying, you've got Doug Ford maybe going together with Tanya Granick-Allen, trying to get her support, seeing if they can get second ballot. Christine Elliott, she's been playing it for the second ballot. Every move, every time. Has she made mistakes? I don't think she's ran a flawless campaign, no. but if there's no one, one thing that Christine has brought, I think she has a fire in her belly in a way that we haven't seen in previous leadership. No, you're absolutely right. She knows this is the moment, huh? And I think she's also been clear and consistent when it looks like the other candidates have been reacting to what's been going on in the race and the mm-hmm. broader Patrick Brown circus. 
that was created lest we at least we soon forget how how long ago that was over though it's still hanging around that circle her message from day one has been i have the experience uh both in parliament and outside of the legislature to unite this party and defeat kathleen Wynne, and that's been the message she's preached all along she's not been trying to overreact and it's part of what you get when you have that experience and you have the machine Mm -hmm. and you have the perceived front runner status you get to kind of be at the front of that pack and deliver that message where if you look at how Doug shaken up the race as the uh, casting himself as the outsider, mm-hmm. Tanya Granick Allen, of course, uh, probably over delivered in a, in a, in a positive way for her campaign after that first TVO debate by really coming onto the stage and letting everyone know she was there. She has to charge and energize people and make them turn their heads and listen to them because she's not a known commodity. And I think that's one of the things where Caroline's campaign hasn't really yeah. lived up to it. She had a lot of the hype coming in, and a lot of, oh, it's time for a woman leader, and therefore do you want someone who's been around longer and experienced like Christine, or do you want new generational stuff, is how they tried to cast that. People didn't know Caroline at the start, aside from who her father was, and as she starts to chart out a voice and positions in public life, I'm still not sure if we know where Caroline stands going forward. No, and I don't think she knows right now, and you can just see it. You know, She all of a sudden saw an opportunity, decided to jump into the leadership race. That's not what she was going to do. And so you feel for her. You can't expect, I mean, she doesn't have that experience. You can see her in the debates. I mean, you know, what do I say at this? We've all seen that movie before where candidates are trying to remember they've been coached and you can kind of see it. That's what we saw with Christine Elliott and we're still seeing it every day. She knows she's she's speaking from her heart and experience. And it's just going to be interesting to see how that plays into the party votes, as you just said. I mean, this is very different to try to get the leadership than it is from try to win an election. Now, Granick Allen, it's very interesting. You know, you can see how she got into the race and she overdelivered, as you say, made a couple of headlines. Looks a little drunk on it now, you know, and as you know, she's, she's buying that all. You can imagine after, you know, how it goes, oh, my God, and your numbers are up and this, and it's the big surprise and are you. And we, we, we started this with an analogy on a horse race. You know, is this one of those horses that was certainly not favored to win out of the stretch and all of a sudden has some kind of jam that nobody thought that they had? So we're watching her. On the other hand, what she is doing is pulling this party into directions that outside analysts of this of this election are saying, you know, they're getting themselves into a little bit of jail here, getting rid of the carbon tax, all the things that were making this party friendly to liberals. It, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays in these times because stuff changes. Yeah, and I think one of the things that Tanya has been able to do in this race, again, she ta- she cast herself as the candidate for grassroots grievances, of which there were a lot of them. Let's mm-hmm. not underestimate yeah, or, she's talking corruption. or understate those kinds of things, actually, talking about what she would call Patrick Brown's mm-hmm. political crimes. But what she's also done in this campaign, notwithstanding the fact she's casting herself as an outsider, is she's clearly built a beachhead of social conservatism in the party and is looking to be a broker of things to come going forward. Uh, This isn't someone who's come out of nowhere. She's spent the better part of 15 years in the conservative movement Mm -hmm. at the federal and provincial level on an issue-by-issue basis. If you look at the parents' activist organization 
that they essentially created from uh, nothing, going from zero to 100 in response to the sex ed curriculum stuff, touting membership supports of just under 100,000. That's not anything to sneeze at. And she's looking to make sure that power base is not only felt in this leadership process, but I think the real question was how she wields that influence going forward to be constructive in this process rather than tearing the party apart. Is it going to tear the party apart already? I mean, you know, Patrick Baum, for whatever his flaws are, and there were enough that he is not in this leadership race and he's still having breaking news about him and his past. However, he moved it into a centrist area that was palatable in Ontario in the polls. Is this movement that we're seeing now going to cause a bitter taste? We don't know. This is also, I think, where leadership actually matters. If you look at how Stephen Harper built his electoral coalition and won the overwhelming majority of seats in the 2011 campaign that ultimately delivered his majority Mm -hmm. government without Quebec, no one thought that was possible in Canadian federal politics. If you look at the playbook that Patrick Brown ran and the kind of 180 he did on a lot of his supporters for his leadership, and say contrast that to how Andrew Scheer was everyone's second choice and won his federal leadership, Uh, he continues to preach unity amongst the conservative family and making sure that all conservatives feel like they have a home within the party. You're right. It's the way you approach it, move it together. So, and again, if Christine Elliott can do that, she's got the experience. Caroline Mulroney, let's face it, she's learning a lot. She... She may not cross that finish line. However, she's one of those horses to watch, certainly in the next race. And we don't know. We don't know. The voting has started. And this is a whole new world. I just want to end it finally by saying, you know, we're wondering what's going to resonate in the election. And that has to be on voters' minds, although they want to know what their party stands for. A new Ipsos Reid poll has come out that says, for the first time, if the liberals ran federally, they wouldn't win. You know, things are in fashion politically, and they matter. That fashion matters when people go to the polls. So we don't know. There might have been a sea change here in the mind of voters. And even without that Ipsos poll this week, any four of these candidates would form a government compared to Canada's most unpopular premier in Kathleen Wynne. And there's clearly an appetite for change when voters are generally talking about the lack of jobs, the lack Mm -hmm. of opportunity, and the kind of despair that exists across the province from an economic sense outside of the GTA. They're looking for answers and solutions that are going to bring that hope and opportunity. Kathleen Wynne's people just continue to talk about grand social engineering and wanting to talk about the conservative's position on social issues, on already Mm -hmm. settled debates. So this is going to be a unique campaign, not just because of what's going on with Patrick Brown in this leadership race now, but as to how they frame this going forth in the general election. I think if you look at the failed playbook of the Martin campaign in 2006 that ultimately gave Stephen Harper his first minority government, it seems the liberals are looking to run and imitate that campaign now, and I think they're doing so to their own detriment. So, Pino and politics, it's been great. Until the next edition. I'm Jamie Ellerton. I'm Arlene Bynum. This has been Buy a Dog, the podcast. <laughs> So if you found us so far, you've been on SoundCloud, but if you want to subscribe, the Buy a Dog podcast is now in the Google Play Store. It's on iTunes and in all the other major podcast directories. You can, of course, follow us on Twitter at Buy a Dog Podcast and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Buy a Dog Podcast. <laughs>